the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, say can you see. Yeah, can you see any reason why we need two national anthems, one white and one black? The NFL setting new records every day for virtue signaling. Says it's going to play the black national anthem before all games in week one. Last night on uh, Fox, Tucker Carlson asked Jason Whitlock of Outkick.com if that was a good idea. What do you think this is about, and is it a good idea, do you think? I think it's really about a lack of leadership and just a failure of men to stand up and stand on the principles that they say they believe in. And so when I look at what the NFL is doing, this goes against every value that the NFL has built itself on. Professional sports have built themselves on a celebration of Americana and the ideals and values that best exemplify America. They built themselves on unity and unifying the country. If the NFL starts out its season with everyone standing for Lift Every Voice and Sing, the Black National Anthem, and then virtually everyone on the field taking a knee when the Star Spangled Banner plays, I think it's going to be, if you remember the show Happy Days, the jump the shark moment when it's like, okay, Happy Days is over. The NFL will run off a nice fat chunk of its audience and will never be seen the same again because of the failure of leadership throughout the NFL. There's no way you can do any homework on Black Lives Matters and not see that it's a Marxist or political organization. It's right. not about black death. It's not about black men. It is a political move. It's a communist political move. If For those people that stand on religious values, and this is where I say just the failure of men, I've seen many of these guys, they claim their Christianity and their religious beliefs. Do they understand Black Lives Matter? Communist Marxism is anti-religious. This is a historic failure of men and leadership. This is cowardice at its highest level. This is the NFL jumping the shark and saying we've quit being who we said we are. We're now something else because our money's on the line and we don't stand for the values we said we stood for. In one minute, there is an NFL commissioner. Where is he? Uh, probably hiding under his desk with Troy Vincent, his assistant. We're talking about Roger Goodell. Yeah. They, these guys don't know what to do. And it, I don't, I don't want to just blame Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent. This is NFL ownership. All right. of them. Cowards. Right. Not standing up for what they believe in. America has made them filthy rich and some of the most powerful people on the planet. And they're unwilling to defend the values they built their business on and the country that has enriched them incredibly. This, I mean, across the board, Tucker, politically, in the sports world, I'm looking at men fall out of cowardice. I'm looking at women fall out of cowardice. It's pervasive throughout this country. Yep. And when we come back, a guy who says it's time to destroy the public education system. Stick around. share three things in common. They're courageous, they've had a life-changing experience, and they are black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie, Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware, a lot of the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. 
These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? I love golf, and I also stink at golf. I've tried it all. The lessons, the special swing contraptions, the neon brush tees, the funny hats, the putting all of my change in my left pocket. I like to say I just happen to have a high golf handicap. My friends would say I have a high talent disadvantage. Luckily, while I might be fighting some disadvantages on the golf course, at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're lucky to be able to serve listeners with a unique advantage. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. And for you, that can mean shorter turnaround times and often a lower rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money on a new home, refinance, or cash-out refinance. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Middle New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. We're all thinking a lot about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, despite the fact that the uh, fatality rate for COVID-19 for people under 70 is actually lower than it is for the seasonal flu, apparently there's uh, still a debate about whether to open the schools. One of the good things, though, that came uh, that could come out of the COVID fiasco might be that uh, people are rethinking what their kids are getting from their schools. David Harsani of National Review wrote a piece with the headline, Destroy the Public Education System. David joins us now. So, David, uh, thanks for being here, and how do you really feel about public education? <laughs> wanted to make sure there was no question what I was going for here in this piece. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's failed the American people in two ways, and not all the American people, but maybe the American people who need it most. On one level, it, uh, you know, it's failed us on, on, on civics and, and good citizenship because it's basically run by left-wingers in all the major cities. That's just a, how it is, and it's a political organization, like teachers' unions mm-hmm. um, run schools in many ways. And then on the other hand, they have exacerbated the problems that we have with race because there is no group in America that, uh, that defends and expands segregation more than a teachers' union in big cities. They do not let, in most big cities and suburbs as well, uh, parents have any kind of real choices or competition in education as they have in everything else in life. And that's been a disaster for minority communities all over the country. 
Yeah, and I, I wanted to get to that later, but since you brought it up, um, I mean, that's something that's always baffled me. All the polls that I've seen show that uh, black uh, voters, um, um, they are in favor of school choice. And the Democrats, have, as you said, have always been against it, yet they get still get 95% of the black vote. And you would think that with something as, um, as important as where you're going to be able to send your kid to school and the ability to um, allow your kid to escape from really bad schools, that that would be a big problem for the Democrats. How have they been able to maneuver themselves into being against that and maintaining the support they're getting from people who are for it? That's a good question. I think in most major urban areas you have, you know, one-party control, so it's difficult to to get over that hump even if you want to make change. And, uh, you know, the entire system is is stacked against you if you're, you know, an activist in that field. But on the other hand, you know, I think Republicans have done a poor job in making that a a, a big issue and, uh, you know, making a good case for it. Part of that is because they're not in in the urban areas where you know to make the case. But the other right. part of that is that uh, you know plenty of um, Republicans in in good school districts and suburbs and stuff like that they're not exactly enamored with the idea of school choice. To be honest, you know they don't want their districts to people pay a lot of money in, tax, in property taxes and buying into the right kinds of neighborhoods, and they uh, they want to protect their schools as well. So it's a, it's 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 um, it's a multi-layered problem, I think. Yeah, but uh, there's there's school choice uh, where you would allow a kid who lives in the inner city to go to a suburban school if that's where he wanted to go. And then there's vouchers, which the theory is that that would create, uh, there would be small private schools popping up that would be catering to people who have different interests, and that would create competition. Uh, it seems like vouchers is the only way to fix that because of what you just said because uh, there might be reluctance among people to have, um, whether black, white, whatever, people coming in from other neighborhoods to go to their schools. Sure. I mean, you have, basically you have a kid, and you have to dump your kid in the closest government building where you live, because that's what, you know, you happen to live near it. Mm -hmm. You know, you have very little choice in what kind of schools. You know, every kid, kids have different needs and different interests, and, and many of them live in different sorts of, you know, world and upbringings, and they need different kinds of teachers. But yet we have essentially one-size-fits-all schools. I mean, it's gotten better in some places. Um, and then when you try to create charter schools, which are within the public school system, you know, quite often teachers' unions are, you know, against those as well and try to destroy them. I think vouchers, where you take your tax dollars, where a poor kid gets the same money a rich person gets, and they can pick their school. Now, obviously, that's not a panacea because you have schools that are filled and all the good schools will fill up, but um, yeah. I think that will just create more competition. Yeah, and uh, it, it, but as you said, and I agree with it, uh, Republicans, they seem to talk about this for a while, and then they just, uh, they, and I'm not, I, I, aside from what you said about maybe the way people who live in those neighborhoods would feel about it, Republicans as a, as a political party and, and, and pol- uh, Republican politicians and government officials, they seem to uh, only push it for a little while and then it just kind of goes away. And, and uh, it seems like the only, uh, maybe not the only, but one of the only issues that they could be sure that they would get support from black voters on if they sold it yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Republican Party is often terrible at, at, at messaging to anyone other than their base, and I think uh, that's something that they need to deal with. And most school choice programs that have been somewhat successful in urban areas like where I lived in Denver were pushed by sort of moderate Democrats, not by Republicans. There were, there's kind of a, a, you know, there's some part of the Democratic Party that likes the idea of charter schools, but because teachers unions give them so much money and, you know, have a lot of a lot to do with, you know, choosing who is elected, especially in a, on a city level, it's very difficult for them to push against that force, you know. We're talking to David Harsani of uh, National Review. He's a senior uh, contributor there, and uh, he uh, also is the author, by the way, of First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. I might have a question or two for you about guns here, as I, now that I think about it, uh, David. But before we get to that, um, you know, um, we, we keep hearing about systemic racism, but if it does exist, it, it seems to exist in Democratic-controlled cities, and that means that there are Democrats on the on the school boards. Um, how's that ever going to be fixed? Well, yeah, I mean, you have, and maybe they're not, 
you know, they don't, they're not outwardly racist, but what they're doing is functionally racist by mm-hmm. trapping children in bad school districts. That's, that's, a, that's a problem that can be fixed. Now, I, again, I, you know, a lot of this has to do with parents being involved. A lot of it has to do with, with just circumstances that are terrible, but nothing ever changes. Like the public school systems in big cities have been the same for 50, 60 years, and yeah. no one does anything about it. So if you want more equality in society for minorities, you, you're going to have to have better education systems for minorities. You know, what does, what's the first thing Barack Obama did when he, when he came to D.C.? Shut down the charter program in, in D.C., you know? Oh, yeah. So it's like... It might have been a voucher program, but, you know, that's the first thing they think of because you have a teacher's union that gives $30, $40 million, and on top of that also organizes and marches and, and, you know, knocks on doors, and they're a big part of the Democratic Party. He also, uh, uh, or Joe Biden also has said that he will not give $1 to uh, charter schools if it's up to him, if he becomes president. So, uh, and, and he, I just get the feeling that somebody like Joe Biden, He's he he's clueless about it. He doesn't he doesn't. I, I think he just he he trusts the Democrats. I mean, or or is it possible for anybody with a brain not to see that? Especially if you're living in, uh, spending time in Washington, how bad the Washington city schools are. Uh, I don't know. It, it's either stupidity or just or just the uh, uh, just indifference. And here's the thing. Rich people already have school choice because they just send their kids to private schools because they have the money or they move into houses in great neighborhoods where they have good schools. It's the poor people who who, who don't have that. And, you know, everyone says, oh, you need to give them more money, give them more money. But as we've seen, money doesn't fix things. You know, most of big city school districts continue to get more money all the time. I forgot what it is in New York, like over 20,000 per child. And Mm -hmm. education keeps getting worse. You know, and so so that's it's obviously more than just money that that's the problem. Yeah, and um, and what school district is it in? Is might it might be the first question asked by any parents interested in buying a house? Uh, so course. you hear the Republicans now as we're getting close to a presidential election again, uh, saying that you know to, that you have to eliminate the zip code as a factor, but uh, that that's going to take a lot of work to do that. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's bought a house in the suburbs knows exactly from looking at the price of a house on the computer, you know, on the, on the real estate site, what district, you know, if it's in the right district or not. I mean, the value of homes like around Washington in good districts, you have little tiny houses that cost, you know, $700,000, $800,000. It's because of the schools. And uh, that that works both ways. There are people who would probably love to live in other in neighborhoods that are more diverse, but they can't because the schools aren't good. Yeah. So it yeah. creates it ghettoizes you know communities, and that's that's not good for the country. And that's driven by the school districts. Yeah, that's a good point. That that's a big decision to make here. If you live in a in a suburb here uh, and you have money and you're living in a nice um, suburb, but you want to go back to city living and go live in in, in Pittsburgh pretty good chance you're going to take your kids are going to take a big step down in, in the quality of the school they're going to go to if they have to go to a city school and so you're not going to do it basically i mean if you care about your kids um so um how much of what's happening on the streets uh with kids now and the statues and they're showing their ignorance of history is just a result of bad teaching I'm, I'm, I have mixed opinions about that, but clearly you have a lot of people roaming around uh, in America who don't have a basic understanding of American history at all. And, and, you know, they see a statue of a white person and they want to tear it down because they're not educated in any, in any real way about American history or civics. There was a study not, not long ago where um, I think it was uh, only 17, maybe it was 39% of people under 50 passed the civics test, but it got like down to 17% for people under 30. Mm-hmm. And that's a minuscule number. This is a citizenship test where people can pass, yeah. you know, to become citizens. People over 65 passed it at a 75% rate, which just shows yep. you that that's just an educational problem. Yeah, and it is. And um, did you notice that, uh, I don't know if you saw the story, that the state of California decreed that kids from, I think it's first to eighth grade, can't be suspended, no matter what they do. It seems like a moral hazard. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to be a teacher in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's say, yeah, you know, that wouldn't bother me so much if I actually taught them anything, right? You know, you have, <laughs> you have kids, 
you know, come out of school and, and, and they, they, you know, I just see it myself in the school district I'm in, the way they teach American history. You know, they teach about the United States in a re- very relativistic way or even as an evil. And, uh, you know, if you're going to have state-run schools, the least they should do is teach civics. I mean, it's part of what they are. Yeah. That's not what we get. So, listen, I don't mean that one to, just because you're educated doesn't mean make give you common sense or make you smart. Yeah. You know, intellectuals believe very stupid ideas all the time, but, you know, at least you understand how government works and, the, and, and what you're voting for. I feel like tons of people don't, don't these days. Now, you have kids in school, and do you, do you open their history? Is there such a thing as a history book, or is it everything on an iPad? I don't know, but are you able to look at whatever the text is for their history classes and civics classes? Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not crazy about what I see there, and you do the best you can to push back at home. But you know, the yeah. school takes your kids all day, right? And it's difficult. Yep. So um, you know, and then they go off to college, and God knows what they're going to learn there. So uh, it's <laughs> they're going to they take all your money, and then they brainwash your kids. So it's a tough situation. <laughs> yeah, we're talking to David Harsani of the uh, of National Review. He wrote a piece. Uh, the headline is "Destroy the Public Education System." Uh, but you also wrote the book, uh, A Ride Through, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. So I, before I go, I have a minute or so, a couple minutes left. I, I wanted to ask you uh, just what's happening with guns in, in uh, light of what's going on on the streets these days. I'm seeing numbers of huge increases uh, in, the, in, uh, in people seeking permits for guns. Yeah. I mean, if you tell people you're going to defund the police and they're looking at riots going on, they're probably going to want to defend themselves. And so you have a huge amount of people getting guns. And then at the top of, you know, on top of that, you have the coronavirus fear going on, which makes you feel a little helpless. You're in your home. Uh, you know, everything's weird. So people were buying guns even before that. But the last I saw, there was just a huge number of, of gun owners, like four, in the last three, four months, something like 11 million, but 2.5 million over three months were completely new gun owners, first-time gun owners, first time they've, you know, been uh, checked, uh, background checked. So, and I think 40% of those were probably women, which is a big number. So, um, obviously, you know, if you go to some of these gun stores in some bigger areas, they're, you know, they're empty. It's hard to, to find one, especially yeah, and, ammunition. And the, the book you wrote is a ride through America's enduring history with the gun. So, uh, in history, is there another period of time that you found in, the, in, in doing your book where this happened, where all of a sudden there was a big jump in gun sales? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you look at the 70s and especially go heading into the 80s, uh, people felt pretty helpless. So two things happened. You had a lot of people who grabbed onto gun control, but you had a whole different population say we need to be able to defend ourselves. And it was sort of a, a reawakening of the Second Amendment and the NRA and all that sort of thing. So... That was a turnaround. And in other times in, in history as well, you, uh, you know, after the Civil War, there were big populations felt um, defenseless and they would get guns. I mean, obviously, the, the industrial way that we can make them now means that more people can buy them. But, yeah, it's happened before. I just want to point out that that's your dog barking, not mine, because <laughs> mine. I'm doing my show from home, Dave, so my dog's been known to bark here, but I'm not, I'm not taking the blame for this one. He's um, so lazy, I can't believe he actually got up to bark at anyone. So, <laughs> uh, so I only have I have less than a minute left, and I'm up against um, a hard break, so if you can uh, cover this in this short amount of time. Just what your reaction is when you see armed, um, I guess they were Black Panthers or B- a Black Lives Matter group uh, with uh, you know long rifles or uh, AR-15s, whatever, walking around the streets. And also, at the same, not at the same time, but a few weeks ago we saw uh, demonstrations in state, in front of state houses where governor's mansions where people are carrying uh, weapons. What do you think about all that? Just got about 30 seconds. I don't love when people get dressed up in camo and pretend to be soldiers and walk around because they're trying to intimidate people. But I have no problem with peaceful demonstrators having long guns and walking if they're not hurting anyone or intimidating anyone. I'm fine with it. Neither do I. Thanks, David. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Dr. Anthony Fauci says Alabama and other states with soaring coronavirus rates have a window of opportunity to bring it under control. He spoke in favor of state and local requirements for masks in public. Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Diseases, says the United States is 
at a resurgence of new coronavirus cases, with cases nearly double the country's previously high baseline. Infection rates have been rising in the South and West. Speaking at a White House summit this afternoon, President Trump congratulated Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for his decision to open schools, saying that other governors should follow suit. Banks and companies that rely on consumer spending led stocks broadly lower on Wall Street. The Dow lost 396 points today. The Nasdaq was off 89. The S&P down 34. This is SRN News. This is the Entertainment Answer. Trolls World Tour is now on Blu-ray, 4K, and digital. Anna Kendrick is the voice of Poppy and says audiences will have a blast hearing all the musical genres. We get to have Kelly Clarkson singing country and just all these different styles of music. And the first time I saw the finished movie, I was like, oh man, if I were a little kid, I would be like, oh no, the techno trolls are my favorite. Oh, the country trolls are my favorite because they've just done such an amazing job designing all these different characters. Trolls World Tour, rated PG. For this Entertainment Answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? (sighs) Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or... Dr. Sebastian Gorka knows which candidate is looking out for you. Which side do you think really cares for you? Is it Donald Trump who sacrificed all for four years, not even picking up a paycheck? Or is it Nancy and Chuck Schumer and Sleepy Creepy? America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The Answer. The Answer Pittsburgh celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at TheAnswerPGH.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpiro.com. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Looks like a couple accidents cleared from inbound 28 at Ohio Street, also around Butler Street. Still seeing a little bit of delay approaching Butler Street, though. On the outbound Parkway East, a couple minutes delay as you approach the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Also outbound to Monroeville, that ramp shut down for construction all week. On the inbound side of the Parkway East, about a five-minute backup from Edgewood, Swissvale to the tunnel. An Aspenwall vehicle fire, Freeport Road at Western Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Mainly clear for tonight, low 69. Humid with sun and clouds Wednesday. Watch for a shower or thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon. High 90. Wednesday night, patchy clouds, low 69. Partly sunny, hot, and humid on Thursday. High 92. Friday, sunny and hot with a high 94. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. 
This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, if the kids ever do go back to school and you have a daughter or maybe a granddaughter, you should pay attention to our next guest, Abigail Schreier. She's uh, researched a pure contagion that we've talked about a lot on this show. Her book is called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Abigail, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. And I do have your pronunciation of your last name correct, Schreier. You got it, Schreier, yes. Thanks. So um, what's the most disturbing, and we talk about this a lot here, by the way. I've had lots of guests to talk about this. This is, uh, speaking of disturbing, one of the more disturbing things out there, I think. But anyway, uh, what is the most disturbing thing that you found while you were researching this book? And I see that you you spoke to a lot of people involved in this whole uh, scenario. You know, there's so much that's disturbing about it, but one of the most disturbing things is that, you know, if you imagine a young girl coming to her teacher and saying, I have bulimia, the reaction would not be to encourage her bulimia, celebrate her bulimia, agree with her that bulimia is the problem, and yet that that her weight is a problem and encourage her to throw up more. <laughs> but that is exactly how kids are treated in schools, in therapy, in, in by even by doctors now, when they self-diagnose with met, with gen, you know gender dysphoria, meaning discomfort in their biological sex, even though that diagnosis is mostly wrong. Yeah, and it's it's um, it's very interesting to me because uh, um, it's it's looked it's been glamorized. It's not only not discouraged or or not uh, looked upon as a, a problem. It's it's glamorized in the media. Uh, my favorite example is Dwayne Wade's uh, son, who now believes that it, he's a uh, his daughter. I don't know if you've seen that story. Um, yeah, Dwayne Wade. The, yeah, and I mean, I I saw this kid on. Uh, I saw him with the with the the kid on um, Good Morning America, and they couldn't stop slobbering all over Dwayne Wade and his wife for having the courage to encourage his son to become a girl and to become his daughter, and 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 then the, the Wades, the uh, mother and father, were saying how they they were learning so much from their. They were calling her, him her their daughter. It's 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 uh, it's it's a tough fight because it's not only not considered a problem, it's considered wonderful. That's right. And teenage girls have gone from, you know, this was something that never, like, it was always something that affected boys. And we have a hundred year diagnostic history. So we know what gender dysphoria looks like. But today, for yep. the first time, teenage girls are the dominant demographic. These are white girls, they're middle class and upper middle class girls. And the reason is it's a peer contagion. It's a way that they have figured out that will get them the attention they need for their very real distress. And they are coming out in groups with their friends as transgender. Yeah, they, they mean, they actually you know, have a sleepover and decide that three of them decided they don't want to be female anymore. Um, that's, that's exactly right. That's what's happening. And sometimes these girls don't end up with regret. Like I interviewed a lot of girls for the book and like one of them, Desmond, you know, always pops to mind because she didn't realize um, that this was the wrong decision for her until she had ended up having to get a hysterectomy because of all the testosterone she was on. Well, no, and, and so the number, so you say the number of females getting the surgery has gone way up. I mean, you had the numbers on that. I think uh, I saw that. That's right. In between the years 2016 and 2017, the number of gender surgeries on biological females quadrupled. Wow. Now, uh, just the difference in the plumbing would seem to make it a tougher transition for girls. Um, um, I mean, maybe that's just me as a guy thinking that way, but I, I, it just seems like um, it's much more of a of a leap because you for a guy he just has to eliminate some things you know but it's it's very strange to me that that it's such a huge difference for a for a female you have to create something that's not there rather than remove something i guess that's what i'm trying to say well, you're destroying a lot. I mean, most of the girls don't get the phalloplasty, which is, you know, uh, you know, male genitalia, but yeah. they do get the double mastectomy, so they remove those biological capacities, and they go on testosterone, which can lead to infertility. Um, and, and more than that, these are girls in a lot of psychological pain, but their problem is actually not gender dysphoria very often. And that's why we're seeing what it in response it? to things like, well, well they're, 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 in, they're experiencing high rates of depression 
depression and anxiety, and we know uh-huh. this about them. Other, you know, we've documented this, so they're very anxious, and they're caught in a in a fad. Basically, it's a way of the way that anorexia spreads through friend groups as a way of handling the pressure they feel and the stress they're under. Today, instead of cutting or starving yourself with your friends, you just you talk about your dysphoria with your friends. We're talking to Abigail Schreier. She's uh, written a book, and it's called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And as obviously by the, by the um, uh, title of your book, you, you focused on girls, daughters. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure you interviewed plenty of teachers, doctors, psychiatrists uh, who are part of the problem because they are out there promoting this. What's their common argument against for example, the premise of your book, if, uh, when you, you write it's an irreversible damage, there, there are people out there who don't look at it as damage at all. How do they defend that? Well, they try to claim that this is an assault on, on transgender people. I, in fact, I interviewed a lot of transgender adults for the book, and many of them will tell you, listen, what these girls are expressing and going through, this has it, it's a, become an epidemic among teenage girls. And transgender adults will say, I didn't learn about this from the Internet. I didn't become transgender because it would win me friends. But that is, those are the conditions. Teenage girls are going to social media. They are immersing themselves in these transgender gurus and they are coming out with their friends to basically earn popularity and get acceptance and that's just not what gender dysphoria looks like yeah um, we are you familiar with walt Heyer? yes of course yeah we've had him on the show a few times uh and he's talked yeah, he's about I mean, he, he made the switch and then switched back um uh and and he he talks about it all the time he said, and he 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 does. Uh, I think he does compare it to anorexia. He said, when when you uh, 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 someone suffering from anorexia looks in the mirror and they see a fat person and their skin and bones, and it's, it's that's it's, right. It's, it's and we're seeing block. a lot. We're seeing a lot of regret among these this population already because these girls feel, especially in their teenage years, they feel an urgent need to do something about all the anxiety and, and depression that they feel, and they rush to hormones. And unfortunately, doctors are so and medical clinics are so happy to supply them on the first visit without even a therapist note. Yeah, the, and so what? What's your advice for parents who su- suspect their daughter might be going down this path? Absolutely. So number one, get them off social media. Social media has been a disaster for the mental health of teenage girls, and it gives them access to all kinds of, trans, of transgender gurus and other influencers who are, primed to, who are primed to really push and indoctrinate their daughters. Number two, oppose gender ideology in the schools. There is absolutely no reason we can't show compassion for transgender children without indoctrinating and confusing the entire student body. And number three, just remember that you're the parent for a reason. You do not have to agree with every self-diagnosis your child comes up with. Just because you want to show them love and support and compassion does not mean you need to agree that they're correct about their diagnosis. Yeah, and they're they're finding this stuff uh, on YouTube and um, it's just, you know, to say to take a kid off of social media, good luck with that, with a, with a teenage girl. How do you do that? Right. Well, you sort of have to, because here's the thing. We can pinpoint, and this isn't, you know, many psychologists have done this. We can pinpoint the dramatic rise in cutting suicide, depression, or straight to the intro- 2007 in the introduction of the iPhone. We know that it causes girls it causes all of us, but especially teenage girls, a tremendous anguish to constantly have their bodies and themselves and their popularity compared to other girls. And yet that's what we're opening them up to on social media. And they are constantly watching each other being torn apart in the comments. And, and it really is, is, is making them a little crazy. Yeah. I, I obviously being a guy didn't, didn't, uh, and I'm too old to be, have, you know, had cell phones and social media when I was a kid, but it's always seemed like girls um, put so much more emphasis on that when they're that age or teenagers about being popular. And uh, this is a quick way to get attention. And for a while, uh, it maybe seemed like a, a good idea. And then you, you can't, you can't uh, take a step back. You've gone, you've, you've gone too far. And I'm not talking just about the, the, the physical changes or the, the hormones you're taking, just that you've, you've arrived as this person who's thinking about becoming, uh, as thinking about being transgender, and now you, you've kind of, that's who you are, and you can't get away from it. 
That's right. I mean, it's, it's very, very normal for an adolescent girl to not want to be a girl or not be comfortable in her body and not be unha- and not be happy with herself. And unfortunately, because this is cloaked as a civil rights issue, rather than it, seeing it as a mental health one, these girls are pushed to hormones and surgeries in ways they are very likely to regret. And they do that without the parents' permission in many places, right? That's right. So the age of medical consent varies by state. In Oregon, it is 15. 15 years old, a, a, a girl can decide that she no longer wants to be a girl. She wants to be a boy. And uh, That's right. And, and I've interviewed and students. Right. I, I've interviewed surgeons and doctors who, who give hormones and, and surgeries to girls as young as 16 without so much as a therapist's note. But this, this is what's so hard for me. We're talking to uh, Abigail Schreier. The book is uh, Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Uh, this is what drives me crazy with it. We're not talking about stupid people who are promoting this. We're talking about uh, not only smart people or supposedly smart people who are doctors and teachers and psychiatrists, and, um, but they're also people in positions of leadership. And that, uh, how are you supposed to fight against that? I mean, what's the reaction if... if um, if a parent goes to a, a teacher or goes to a school and talks to someone there and says, hey, look, my daughter, is uh, she's, she's telling me, she's sh- showing signs that she wants to transgender, uh, I want to do something about it. Do they, in many cases, do, are they just discouraged and told, oh, leave her alone, Wish you, you're, 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 you're not letting her be herself or some kind of speech like that? So in some states like New York, New Jersey, California, they actually hide it from the parents. They actively do that as their policy. So if a child decides she might be a boy, and often she's encouraged in the school to think of along those lines, and she comes up with a new name for herself, the school will give her, will assign, will, will write down the name. She will, they will use that name. They will change her pronouns. They will let her use the boys' bathrooms and the boys stay with the boys on the school overnight, and the parents will not be informed. No, and they're not told about it. No, that's the school policy in many in many jurisdictions now. And uh, I understand that uh, Planned Parenthood is is uh, doing a nice job of promoting this too. That's right. They are a very large supplier of testosterone. They're one of the biggest suppliers of testosterone in the country, and they give it out on an informed consent basis, meaning if you go in at 18 and say, I am gender dysphoric, I'm sure I am, and you sign a a waiver acknowledging the risks without even a mental health diagnosis of gender dysphoria, you walk out with testosterone the same day. And what's if, if if a girl, a fifteen year year old girl, goes in and says she wants testosterone and she's given testosterone? How long? How many doses does it take her uh, to start seeing changes and and realizing that there is something going on there? So um, one of the insidious things about testosterone is it has good positive effects too. So in other words, it actually lessens anxiety. It redistributes fat. It stops a girl's period. So it and it delivers, a, which it delivers a kind of euphoria, meaning that the girl will feel great and want to tell her friends all about how wonderful she feels. The problem is, is that she also she will also start to have body hair, facial hair. It'll affect her voice and it will affect her fertility. Yeah, but how long does that take, Abigail? I mean, from the time she starts, when when do you start? When do her right. parents start noticing she's looking a little different? Um, you, a lot, I hear three months a lot, but of course it depends on the dose. The doses that these girls are given is massive, but it will depend. Each dose is a little different based on her body chemistry. And how do they, how do they take it? And, and how often? Is it every day? Um, it, so it, it, it's administered several different ways. One of them is a shot. There's a patch. There's even a gel. So there's lots of different ways to get the testosterone. But, I mean, uh, who, if she's getting a shot, who's giving her the shot? Well, they teach her how to do it. They do. So she's injecting herself. Yeah. I could see, I could see some problems with that, too. Um, so uh, <laughs> where, where's this going? I mean, I, I just don't – This I talk about trains coming down the track that can't be stopped all the time here, and this is one of them. I just don't. I just. I don't know how um, you stop it, because because well, if you if you try to, you're a bad person. 
Right, except that these girls are waking up. We're seeing a lot of regret already. And when these girls start suing their doctors, I, I think maybe we can turn this train around. You do think so? I, I do, because it really isn't genuine gender dysphoria. It really is uh, just a social contagion or, or a sort of frenzy of, of diagnosis that doesn't really seem to fit the girls, and it doesn't make them feel any better long term. Yeah, well, I'm out of time, but the, but real quick, this, the, the, the people that you're looking for help from are complicit with the, the kids who are doing the wrong thing. That's That, to me, is the biggest problem. Yeah, that, that is the problem. Hey, Abigail, I really appreciate you being on. The book is Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. And real quick, in five, ten seconds, uh, should all parents be watching for this? Is it, is it more prevalent than most parents understand? Yes, absolutely. Ask your teens how many kids have come out as transgender or pansexual or one of the other sexual identities in their students' class and find out what the schools are teaching with regard to sexual orientation and gender identity instruction. Abigail, thanks for being here. Hope to have you on again. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, that's Abigail Schreier, and it's Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. We'll be right back. Armchair psychologists have tried and failed to throw doubt on President Trump's sanity, but there's a new book that puts truly insane rulers in historic perspective. It's called History's Nine Most Insane Rulers. Author Scott Rank has unearthed the real lives of the nine most mentally unbalanced leaders through the ages. Some suffered from schizophrenia, like King Charles VI of France, who thought he was made of glass. Then there's Ottoman Sultan Ibrahim, the first who practiced his archery skills by pointing his arrows at his palace servants. And how about the president for life of Turkmenistan, who named the days of the week after himself? There's a serious side to all this. Power can be addictive and destructive for those who hold on to it for too long. This book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers, takes an in-depth look at the toxic mixture of absolute power and insanity. Are insane rulers a relic of the age of monarchs? Get the surprising answers in the new book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers by Scott Rank. Order it today at Amazon or wherever books are sold. The people in this movie share three things in common. They're courageous, they've had a life-changing experience, and they're black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie, Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it, when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware, a lot of... The way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-791-0000-800-791-0000-800-791-0000. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, 
I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, there's an issue uh, in the NFL right now. The um, uh, wide receiver for uh, Asante Samuels is uh, or Deshaun Jackson. I'm sorry. Deshaun Jackson of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, tweeted some anti-Semitic stuff from a book that, that was uh, it was a quote supposedly um, attributed to uh, Adolf Hitler. Apparently he didn't say it, but it's, he also uh, showed his support for uh, Farrakhan, and he did it on uh, Instagram or uh, one of those, maybe Snapchat. I forget where it was, but uh, and now that's making the rounds of the sports media. What's going to happen to Deshaun Jackson, a pretty good wide receiver for the Eagles? Uh, really stupid thing to uh, display your anti-Semitism on uh, social media. And there's a discussion going on on Twitter now and comparing him to some other people who have been canceled, or not canceled, but got in trouble uh, for having been found out to have said anti-Semitic or racist things. And I'm, I'm surprised by people not being able to see the difference between uh, you're a racist or anti-Semitic either way, no matter how it's revealed. But it's a lot different if you're talking about whether a guy should be fired. If you uh, if you are anti-Semitic and you uh, you know about it, but your boss doesn't, that's none of your boss's business. But if you are anti-Semitic, your boss is Jewish, which uh, this guy's boss is, and then you display it, that's real stupid, and you deserve to be fired. Sorry, he's got to go. He's got to be fired. Not canceled, fired. I'll be back tomorrow. See ya. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.